Here's the famous quitter for you. I don't know if you know this from the book, The Dip. Michael Crichton graduated Harvard Medical School. Then he decided after having gone through The Dip to get into Harvard and to have graduated, he decided he didn't like the idea of being a doctor. He was not interested in medical career. He gave up what would have been a very lucrative career to do something totally unproven, which was to become an author. Michael Crichton obviously worked out, and we hear about him, right? And we go like, look at that, the, the man had the vision. And then what if he'd written a, I don't know if you're a Simpsons fan, but what if he'd written Billy and the Clonosaurus? If he'd written a terrible book, and then another terrible book, and would have been a really good surgeon. And then if you go, Michael, how do you feel? Are you happy? And he goes like, you know what? Still love it. Living in a little shack writing these terrible, terrible, or these books that people tell me are terrible, I am enjoying my life, then I would say that that's also a success. But also, hats off to Michael Crichton. That takes a firm constitution, I would say. You know, even if he could have been successful as a doctor, I believe this very much in my heart. Don't get good at something you are not passionate about. And I think it's very difficult to be world-class, best in the world at something you're truly not passionate about. Because I find that people who are passionate about something, they have a degree of focus and joy of doing the things that most people would find to be super painful. Michael Phelps, one of the most awarded Olympians, maybe the most awarded Olympian of all time, that man swam in a pool for a gazillion hours every single day. (laughs) Right. He's practically part fish and he just kept doing it over and over again. Now, for normal people, they would say that is insane. And that passion, that singular focus got him to that level of greatness. And now he can do whatever he wants. You know what? A, you're 100 percent right. And B, you're mentioning a, a thing that we've sort of I don't know that we've touched on it as directly as I think it needs to be touched upon. And that's the element of joy where in the in the sort of grit discussion it's like you got to get through the pain you got to get through the pain but what it doesn't mention is you love what you do it's i mean it's unless you're the world's greatest actor you love what you do and i love what i do most of the time and like 90% of the time I'm like yeah this is really fun And it's something that, as you said, somebody else might be like, oh my God, why are you in the pool all day long? That's horrible. I think that's maybe, that's just a really important thing to stay focused on is, is pursuing this goal fun to you? Like, even if it's physically painful or if it's, if it causes exertion, I don't want to use the word stress. Like if it, if it demands much of you, is what is demanded of you bringing you joy? And then I think, then you're good. If you're having a great time, it's like, yeah, 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 you know what? I'm still at it at four o'clock in the morning, which was, again, like 60, 70% of my life. 
I was like, yeah, I love it. I love seeing the sun come up and still work on this thing. Then you're golden. I think certainly in my life, the areas where I got into real personal trouble was when I got fixated on the outcome. And I was like, I got to do this and this and this. And until and unless I get that outcome, I have failed not just at this task, I have failed at being the person I should be. And I think that's where for me always the danger comes in and where I want to create pockets of grace, certainly for myself, to give myself a way out because it's very easy to just get hyper, hyper focused on without the outcome, it wasn't worth it. And I bet, and I love the Grandma Moses story, and I bet she just loved painting. I think that's what it is. Stefan, so when you're working to four in the morning, the sun's coming up, to the objective observer, they would sit there and say, Stefan is insane. There's a screw loose. But you're like, you know what? What time is it? I don't even care. I'm having so much fun. This is joy for me. And if I can just make my entire living doing this, I'm going to do this for the rest of my life. That's exactly right. And the funny thing is, it changes, which is something, and it's changed for me fairly recently. I'm like, oh, you know what? I still want to do certain parts of this. I don't want to do the 4 a.m. thing anymore. And it was a real struggle. And it was, there was, I had to work through a lot of shame and feelings of failure because there was still a large part of me that was sort of the younger me from art school and the young designer going, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is what I want to do for the rest of my life. And then another part of me grew that said, you know, that's not the path I want to travel anymore, or I don't want to travel the path in this particular way anymore. I still want to make great design and I still want to make, you know, things that bring people joy, but I want to maybe do it in a gentler way. But there was a real part of me that's like, you got to, you got to tough it up, man. You got like the, the friction and the exertion is part of the point. Like that's part of what makes you good at what you do. And it's taken me three, four years and I'm starting to get into, oh, I can do it another way and it's not a shameful thing to change tack. I'm sort of harking back to, to what Nitty was saying about creating a certain flexibility, which you've certainly had from the discussions that I've heard with you where you said, oh, you know, then we, we changed tack and then we did this and then we sort of moved over here because I saw the market changing. But I think it's a, it's a really difficult thing to pick up by yourself when you're just going by a lot of the, the sort of tight, the titanic, uh, the, the titans of industry narrative that's, that's so prevalent. The shame that you were speaking to, Stefan, I think that is one of the hardest parts for people as they're looking at shifting these priorities. Because what happens is that our self-worth becomes inextricably linked with our achievement, right? And I think that that gets programmed into us. And uh, when we are not achieving, when we're still 
it almost feels like we feel guilty about it. We're like, oh my gosh, I must be doing something. Am I missing something? Like there's got to be something else that I should be filling this time with. Or we feel overwhelmed with all of the things that um, are on the to-do list that we just cram them in to the downtime. And so we never allow ourselves the opportunity to be still and to be bored. And what research has found is that the most creative ideas come through boredom. So if we're not sitting and allowing ourselves the opportunity to really sit with our thoughts and, and our feelings and to just be quiet for a bit and not always be doing and achieving and maximizing and optimizing and all of those things, those buzzwords that we love to throw out there, I, I just I ultimately think that we're losing out. Um, and that is where the shame spiral begins. So we have to the solution to that, right, is that we have to look at the different facets of our identities. And of course, there's an intersection between those different elements of who we are, but we've got to make sure that there's a clear distinction between our work persona and who we are in our professional sphere and who we are in our personal lives and the opportunity to be able to distance ourselves from work and to not feel guilty and ashamed about it um, and to instead reframe it as, you know, it's it's not a, a nicety it's not something that is uh, would be great to have if we could engage in self-care. It is a mandation. It is a requirement. Because if we don't take care of ourselves, then we get to a place of depletion. And guess what? We're not functioning optimally at work anyways. So you got two choices. It's either you burn yourself out, you do shit work uh, because you just, you just can't keep up any longer, or you allow yourself the opportunity to, without guilt, take the breaks and show up wholeheartedly then when you're actually showing up um, and then you could actually pour into others as well. So I just wanted to add that in there. I really love that share, Stefan. Thank you for bringing, I feel like you're a fellow heart-centered person too. So I really appreciate that. I don't think there's any secret. I'm obsessed about a couple of different things. One of which is how to create more compelling videos that people engage with. So I watch lots of videos on every platform and I study like an animal and I notice something the videos that have really high views, the ones that at least I'm looking at, of course, this is a limited data set and it's highly biased because I'm looking for certain things. They tend to be around people who are also equally obsessed about whatever it is they're doing. I see chef videos, right? People who love to cook. And there's a guy, he, he holds a bowl of ramen noodles that they look delicious with a little bit of nori on top like a perfectly soft boiled egg and, and some garnish and a pork belly, a slice of pork belly on top. And he pushes out a bag of instant noodles. He goes, and he waves his finger in the air like, uh-uh-uh. And he shows how to make ramen noodles from scratch. It's a nine hour endeavor. And I'm thinking I would just go and order this at the store because this I appreciate, I respect, but I cannot do. He's like doing pork and chicken bones in the oven. He's doing all kinds of prep. He's hand making the noodles for God's sake. Everything is hand done. I'm like, respect you, friend. You are obsessed. I'm not sure if you're world class, but I believe you're putting in the work necessary to be there. And these videos have millions of views where my videos have thousands of views. I see videos of people who are super fit and the amount of dedication, focus, diet, single-mindedness, I respect. I want abs like that. I'm working on it. I don't think it's going to happen in my lifetime, but I'm working on it still. People who make miniature dioramas, painting by hand, dry brushing, layers and layers of paint, resin 
mold casting, all kinds of things, 3D printing. And I see this. I admire it. And so I think in Seth's book, the world admires those that are super hyper dedicated and focused. We demand proof of what it is that you're willing to do. Now, I think I'm a sick individual in that I embrace the pain as part of the journey. Nitty said, we reframe things. I tell myself a different story. There's things that I hate, things that I never thought in a million years that I'm going to do, but I do now because I want what's at the end of this thing. So I think I lie to myself. I tell myself this is good and that I like it, even though sometimes I look at myself, I'm like, are you sure? Are you sure? So here's the, here's the personal story. As this is no news to anybody, we've been stuck at home, self-quarantine. I've been sitting in my computer for longer periods of time, maybe with the exception of when I was at Art Center. I'm much more sedentary. I'm not going out to meet my friends, talking. I'm not walking around the office. I'm not standing up doing four-hour workshops. I'm mostly sitting down. And so one day my wife's looking at me and she goes, honey, you know, there's a little belly there. Um, might not look good on camera. She's not saying this because she cares if I'm fat or skinny or fit. She's just saying like, I think you care what you look like in camera. I'm just giving you that, you know, dose of truth. Damn. Okay, honey, I'm going to work on this thing. So we talk about it. I'm like, this is it. I'm going back on what people refer to as intermittent fasting, but it's really just time-restricted eating. I'm, I'm going on these long walks. Instead of doing it once a week, I'm doing it three, three times a week. I'm back in my home gym. And this morning, I'm getting ready to do a live workshop. I throw on my pants. I'm like, damn, these pants, they're loose. My wife's in the bathroom. She hears this. She goes, what do you mean they're loose? She goes, what are you trying to do? So look at this. I'm back to pre-pandemic body. She goes, how is this possible? I roll my eyes. I'm like, honey, you've been part of this. We both made this commitment not to buy food with sugar, to cut down on our rice and bread intake, to do this time-restricted eating, to go and work out together. The only difference is you broke it two days in. I'm one and a half months strong right now. So do I want to do this? No, I would like to fill my face with blueberry pie with pecan pie. I would really like to do that. Nothing tastes better to me than a beautiful, fresh baked artisanal loaf of bread or a giant bowl of rice or ramen. These things are delicious, but you know what? I'm willing to say no to that. I want to quit that because I like this other thing more. Okay. I'm going to move this around. Ayani, go ahead. Hi, Chris. Um, yeah, thank you for having me. This is a really insightful conversation. It resonates with me on so many different levels. Um, yeah, I had an interesting conversation with my therapist yesterday, and we were talking about helping me to quit on a daily basis. I can be quite obsessive, quite neurotic. So I was talking to my therapist about um, being more meticulous with my time blocking and uh, putting hard stops on my on my work days and on my work related activities and even activities related to personal development. Otherwise, um, over the course of the last 15 years, I would say I've had many days where I wake up 7am, let's say I blink, and then it's 10pm. The whole day went by. Even if I 
you know, meditated and did other and engaged in other activities that cultivate mindfulness throughout the day, the day will just fly by because I wasn't um, placing boundaries. I wasn't quitting the activities that I was engaged in. Um, also, before I started my career, I went to university for philosophy because I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. So I went from being in a specialized art school as a kid and a teenager, being immersed in the arts, loving it, to making a full stop, studying philosophy, and, and essentially partying and disassociating in different ways throughout university. So I quit the arts for approximately four years. And there was great benefit in that because it taught me that quitting the arts, quitting being a creative was one of the biggest mistakes of my life. And um, those four years off inspired the career path that I'm, I'm currently on. Another thing, as far as obsession is concerned and not quitting, um, I've brought many projects to fruition uh, very recently that have taken, in some cases, 16 years to come to fruition. And I think it's, there's a lot of um, power in pushing forward with one's most meaningful goals. If you know in your heart, in your gut, that a goal is meaningful to you, um, that a project is meaningful to you, that it brings great value to others, and that you're passionate about it, it's incredible how, how long people can persist. And I'm living proof of that. I, I, I raised um, approximately 70K for a project that I started in 2006. It was rejected over and over and over again. I could not raise capital for it. I could not get press for it. Um, and I just continued persisting and, and moving forward. And now it's going to be um, displayed at a at a major uh, venue in Toronto in April after um, 16 years. So there's great power in not quitting, and there's great power in quitting. I think it depends on the context, the timing, uh, the individual, and their goals. Johnny, that's such a great story, and and congratulations on the show and and sticking with that. And there is there is a thing of there is I've always said that there's a there's something very corrosive about leaving things half done and that's that's sort of the how do you how do you balance the things but i'm reading a book right now called atomic habits by james clear and one of the things he talks about is that the habits you form the, the ones that you know bad habits to break and good habits to stick to the most potent thing is if you're if the habits are an expression of who you want to be as a person, and that goes a little bit to are you choosing, are you traversing the dip for a lifestyle? Are you traversing the dip for a goal? I think if if the goal can be this is core to who I am, then I think it goes back to the thing that I was saying earlier about just doing something that in some way brings you joy that you know that feels just important. And that seems to be exactly what you're doing. And, and congratulations again on the show. That's fantastic. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate that. I was thinking about something about this idea about burnout. And there's this quote from Simon Sinek. He says, working hard for something we don't care about is called stress. I think that's where the burnout comes from. And he says also working hard for something we love, that's called passion. So I think sometimes when we're doing something, we feel burnt out. We have to ask ourselves, do we really need a break or is our body, our mind telling us something different? Could it be that we're becoming disconnected or unclear about where 
the goal is or even if that goal matters to us. And one of the things why you would want to quit something is you have to ask yourself, why am I doing this and for whom am I trying to make happy? Time for a quick break, but we'll be right back. Welcome back to our conversation. All right, our friend Jessica is up here. Jessica, the mic is yours. Hey, guys. This has been great. I'm trying to wrap my head around the, you know, I constantly think about when to quit and when to push through. And I'm thinking about like a framework, just listening to everybody. So if you think of two circles and they overlap, right? I'm thinking you have the intrinsic and the extrinsic I'm going to call a signal. So if you think of those circles, the intrinsic will be, I think, the joy that was talked about uh, multiple times is it's an important factor where you think, does this work actually bring me joy? And the other circle, I think it's really important to know, I'm going to call it an external factor, is the future value, right? Like the market, the reality that we talked about, like the market mechanism. And I think the, uh, the other circle, the extrinsic factor is the, you know, Chris, you mentioned why you don't want to do things that's mediocre because the market mechanism is that the market rewards the top disproportionately. And then there's a lot of kind of reality aspect of, I know that things can bring you joy, but if you can, if you're doing this thing will mean you don't have the money to eat, which you still enjoy it. So I think both joy and this future value, this market mechanism are equally important. Those are the two circle, I think, when we think about to quit or to push through, it's very important to think about. And then where it overlaps, I think it is goals. I think goals is where like your joy meets kind of your reality, where you say, is this a goal worth striving for? And Chris, I'm going to bring up your story on um, you taking your boy for a hike, because I think that's really interesting. Because I think in your head, your boy might be smarter than you thought because you think that your goal is climbing to the top of the mountain and his goal might just be, you know, satisfy the old man's wish to climb so he can go back and play a Game Boy, right? And so even with the same journey by setting different goal, personal goals and wanting to achieve different things, your definition of success may not be his. And he might might have um, achieved his because he made you happy and now he can go back and play a game. So In my head, I'm almost thinking that when we are thinking about whether or not we want to quit, we push through, you want to think about what makes you happy because you can't beat somebody. Um, I think Naval said that, you know, to be competitive in the market, you want to do something that's enjoyable for you, but looks like work for others. So no matter how hard you work, you will not be able to beat somebody who truly enjoy it. And so joy just plays such an important part in making it big. But on the other hand, you also have to understand the extrinsic mechanism, the extrinsic uh, market so that you can actually be successful in the real world. And both of them combine, you set your goal and then you just look for a signal. Don't quit for ego. Don't quit for dopamine heads. Don't quit for Borton. And then with all these signal combined, then you decide when you quit and when to push through. So Dr. Sabiha, you have the mic. Go ahead. Thank you. Thank you for being so generous. Uh, my question is, Chris Joe, there is a time between when I feel I want to quit now and when I feel I want to still push through the dip. Now that space or that period, in that space for how long I should be? Uh, to be honest, I'm confused over there. If I get some piece of advice from, from you, what should be the time span where I should stay, you know, where I'm not able to decide whether I quit or whether I push myself? That is my question. 
Okay, thank you so much. I think it's important for us to decide how much do we want to commit to a specific goal or idea. And we should do this before we start. Because if by design it doesn't make sense to us, let's not start this thing because it's going to be distraction from what we should be doing. Now, many artists fall into this trap. I'm doing something, I think I'm making progress, and I'm starting to get bored because I'm in the dip. It feels like work. It's not as fun anymore. Oh, this thing looks like a lot of fun. Let me just switch gears. Now, before you switch gears, ask yourself, what does success look like for me? At what point will I quit? When I'm near bankruptcy, I'm going to commit $50,000 towards this endeavor. Uh, I'm going to give this three years. Define that as best as you can. And then try to imagine what the end goal looks like. If you're successful, what does that look like? And if you're excited about that, if you're like, you know what, this is in alignment with where I want to go in my life and my career, make the commitment and go for it. And when you make this commitment, it means you have to give up some other things. And also ask yourself, what are my constraints and what am I willing to sacrifice to achieve this? If you're not clear, if you're wishy-washy, don't go for it just yet. Really think it through. I don't love setting the goalpost midway through the game because that goalpost moves around a lot. Some days when you're feeling great, it feels really close to you. And some days when life is kicking you, you feel like, oh my God, that goalpost is so far away. I would love for you to have clarity on the vision of where you want to be, how you know when you get there. You know, in a mountain, you can see where you're supposed to go. You kind of can guesstimate how many more steps it's going to take and what kind of resources it's going to take for you to get there. But in life, we don't know what that mountaintop looks like, but we can get a better sense of it if we do some serious vision planning, if we're able to create a vision board and we write down our goals, what is it that we want to accomplish? So that's the best answer I have for you. I hope that's okay. Absolutely. That makes a sense for me. When you say it about the mountain and the look how it will be at the mountain. Thanks a lot. Thank you. All right. Let's just keep this moving. So Arshad, I think you're up next. Yeah, I just want to share what what um, <clears throat> worked for me. So, but there are rules to this. So, um, three rules. Um, you got to know your passion. Um, you love getting good at it, and there is a selfless purpose that's useful. And um, when you have these three things, you have a good in- indicator when you should quit. And that good indicator is when it feels like the only thing, the only reason why you're doing this is money. So yeah, that's that's worked for me so far, and. Um, it's been pretty, pretty good. Great. I'm glad you brought up the whole idea of money. Uh, I've never made making money is my priority. Money Making money is a byproduct of me doing the work that I'm supposed to be doing. Jessica talked about the overlap, the goal, the intrinsic, the extrinsic, what gives you joy, all those kinds of things. I find that the more I'm able to do that, the more the money comes, but the money is not the first goal. I think it's Emily's turn now. Thanks, Chris. So this is something that I love contemplating, you know, in terms of quitting and and, and pushing through because it really is about discernment. And I think if you don't know yourself and really understand the cues of what does it mean when your body is at its limit where you need to stop and when are you having an emotional response where if you could delay that emotional response, you could push through, right? But it's but there's an emotional response is happening because you are moving out of discomfort. And so a lot of what I meditate on and share and 
just the things that I go through in my own life all the time is seeing where is that um, level that I'm pushing through and where do I need to pull back because I am such a passionate person. And something that I learned firsthand, you know, I think we learn these things over and over again, especially when we share these things, we must learn them on deeper levels. And so I have learned in the past even six months what it means to pull back to actually move forward. And so what I visualized this summer was I was a bow and arrow. And even though I'm a very passionate person, I realized in order to push through, it wasn't about quitting, but it was like this in between. And I was pivoting and I was shifting, you know, the way and who I was serving and how I was doing it and branding all these things. And I'm a branding nut. So Chris, like you inspire me so much. Um, but I, I realized I was the obstacle. I was getting in my way. The way I was branding my company, everything about it really was just like me not willing to let go. And so I needed that time to grieve, like the way that I was branding myself and putting myself out there and my design um, so that I could shift. And it took just time to, to be in some stillness. But by doing that, oh my gosh, like when I pushed through, it wasn't coming from adrenaline. It was coming from this pure source where it wasn't my polluted mind. It wasn't fractures of, you know, these ideas and thoughts, and it wasn't distortions of my reality because I think a lot of times we can create from wounding and we can create from, you know, pushing through thinking that there's this imaginary person you need to compete with, or there isn't room at the top. So if you imagine that everybody, we all have this mountain we're climbing in life. We all have our throne with our name, like plated to this throne. You know, it's like no one can take this throne. It is waiting for us, but in order to push through, if we, if we move, I think Jess had said, if we move from ego, we're moving to compete with somebody else or moving because we're in a rush, then we're probably missing a lot of steps and we're, and we're probably missing some important things. So sustainability foundation and really knowing the direction and the precision and where you're heading, like Chris, you had said about don't make your goal halfway through. It's really important. Every time I've set a goal, doing this over and over again and seeing other people do this too. When you set your goal, you focus on that, but then how you get there may change. And so being patient in that process is really key. And at times you need, you need to quit and you need to give up on something so you can give up the good for the great. And that takes discernment. So I think there's a lot of times I've messed up. I've made mistakes. I've quit something and then needed to restart all over again because I realized that um, it was an emotional response. But the more and more that you actually go into that action place and explore your inner world, I think you can start to understand more quickly and you can accelerate that learning curve of is it time to quit or push through. But the bow and arrow really helped me understand that there is this like space between the quitting and the pushing um, and sometimes pulling back is pushing forward in its own way. So that's just been my experience in these past few months. Thank you very much, Emily. Okay. I'm going to just throw the mic over to Angelique. So Angelique, how do you want to contribute? Thanks so much. This is a full circle moment for me because when I first reached out to you months ago about decision-making, this was the question that I was asking. It was at this moment of I had really had all the signs to quit. And I thought, am I quitting because it's hard? Am I quitting because I, I, I'm struggling to push through? 
And this is the moment that I proved to myself that I can push through, but all the signs were there and I was reading this wrong. And Stefan, when you said about the compass, do we collect the pieces of our compass as we're growing up, right? And as we become an adult, we, we start to assemble it and put it together. And we don't know if it actually works until we start noticing that we think we're going north and other, other people are going north, but we're actually going in a different direction. So I loved your analogy about we have the same engine, we just have different navigating systems because I felt like that was exactly how when people would say, well, this is what I would do. I couldn't see it that way. And I think it was just because the pieces in my compass were different. And I was trying to understand, well, which one of these pieces needs to be replaced, right? And it was really difficult when I was engulfed in those emotions to understand what's the piece that I isolate so I can really take a look at it because I didn't want to run away. I didn't want to quit. I didn't want to give up. I wanted to be successful. And I knew for for a fact there was something here for me. There was a lesson in it. And so I started asking everyone, what is the framework of which you make decisions? What is your decision-making strategy? How do you make decisions? I would ask it in so many different ways. And it was so interesting to me that probably maybe 15, 20% of people could even come up with an answer to that question. And I thought, wow, this is just a, we have a deficit in language and how we communicate even just with ourselves. But I think just our emotional intelligence, we do a lot of things without thinking about why we do them. I think that's just a normal thing. And it's time that maybe we start to shape some of these conversations so that we can start to have more intent in how we feel and our process for thinking. So we're not going through these loops, trying to learn the same thing over and over again, right? And that's where I started to focus on was what I thought I wanted, what success really looked like for me was where it was rooted in. If I really peeled back the layers, I didn't want any of that stuff. And I'm so grateful to have some of that exposed now. But I needed to go through this whole process because had I just listened to this room in those moments, I don't think, I think it would have seeded, right? I think I would have, I would have gotten some gems here for sure because this was, wow, this is an incredible, incredible share. But I think I needed to go through that process and you have to be like a willing participant, right? To open up your compass and really start to understand how it works. And so I just, I I appreciate everything you guys have shared and um, just share that, you know, just what what that meant to me today. So thank you. Thank you so much. Stefan, final thoughts from you, sir. Yeah, thank you so much for having this conversation with your community, which I think is so important. And thank you, Angelique, for what you said. I wanted to just briefly respond to it because I think it is a nice wrap-up. Is Yeah, we assemble the pieces of a compass from our lives. And so for each of us, the compass is going to look a little different. And I think if if we can create, and I'm certainly going to write this down for myself, if I can create the space and the stillness to just say, how can I make this into a functioning compass for me? You know, and how can I find my way through the world with that? Then I think that certainly is for me a, a way that I think I can live peacefully and with integrity. And I think at the end of the day, if you can do that, then you're okay. So thank you for, thank you for bringing that back up. And again, Chris uh, and Nitty, thank you for, for having me. 
and uh, it's always such a pleasure. It's such a it's always such a thoughtful and wonderful discussion. So thank you, thank you. Okay, Nidhi, final thoughts from you to wrap it up. Well, first of all, thank you so much for allowing me to be a part of this conversation, Stefan. It was great getting to meet you and hearing your wisdom as well. I, you know, I think my, my biggest takeaway is that I think a lot of people um, should no longer be willing to sacrifice their well-being for success. And I think that we can find a way to integrate our work and our life, but to also remember that our priorities are beyond just what we do professionally. And so I just, I just thought that there were so many beautiful shares. Um, and I really want people to know that Chris, <laughs> I think you made it really, um, nicely clear in this conversation that, you know, the, the, it's not about encouraging you to do something that's unhealthy or detrimental to your well-being, right? Like there's, there are boundaries and there are lines and thresholds that we shouldn't be crossing. Um, especially when it's at the, the cost of our health, our, our mental health, our well-being, our relationships, whatever the case may be. So I just want to encourage people to have a separate identity and to really pay attention to how interwoven our professional selves can become with our, who we are personally and to try to have a line of demarcation between the two um, because we can't have our self-worth be com completely reliant on what's happening in a professional sphere. Um, otherwise, we're at the mercy of the tides of our businesses and that's a really tenuous place. I think for all of us to be. So um, I just really appreciate this conversation. And thank you so much, Chris, for your wisdom. Okay. Uh, some of my final summary thoughts here. I'm just going to quickly recap some of the big ideas. If you enjoyed this conversation, I highly recommend you read the book, The Dip, written by Seth Godin. I've taken three pages of notes from the book. I've reread it like four or five times. A couple different things. There's a big difference between serial quitting and strategic quitting. Serial quitters, when things get tough, they keep changing. They go from from position to position, from job to job, and they don't make a whole ton of progress. And you know what? If that makes you happy, if that gives you joy, do that. Don't worry about judgment. That's totally cool. But if there's something that's elusive, that is escaping your grasp, why you cannot achieve, there's a good chance that you're serial quitting, not strategic quitting. Strategic quitting requires you to be strategic with your goals, to have clear benchmarks, to measure your progress, and to think through what you're going to do what you're going to commit to, what your resources are, what the constraints are before you start. And if you determine that you can't be great at something, that you're going to be average or mediocre, don't do that because that's a distraction. Success, as Seth writes, success goes to those who obsess. Take that to heart. And it's human nature for us to want to quit when it hurts. So part of my process, part of my success, and if you want what I have, is to anticipate the dip to know that parts of the journey suck, but those are natural barriers and adversity is our ally because it keeps out those that are not willing to put in the work. Like I said, quit or be exceptional. Change the tactics, never quit the big idea. If it, if it makes your heart happy, if you're passionate about it, find a way. The first way may not be the way. The 100th way may not be the way. Just find a way. And if you stay focused and if you articulate this goal you will enroll others in the pursuit of what it is that you want. You magnetize yourself, as Dr. Price Pritchett writes. Be clear about those goals and express it to as many people as possible because they will become your allies in getting there. The market wants to see you persist. It demands the signal from you that you're serious, determined to achieve this thing. So rededicate yourself. Develop a strategy. Break the problem apart. Re-examine it. Find a way. And sometimes 
When you sit down, you amplify the long-term benefits. It'll give you a better decision framework as to whether or not you want to quit. Now, that doesn't mean you stay in toxic relationships, period, or to commit yourself to doing something that's unhealthy and not sustainable. So a couple of questions to ask yourself. Am I panicking? Whose goal am I trying to achieve this for? Am I, are you making progress? Are you moving forward, falling behind, or standing still? Measure your progress so you have data to help you to decide, not just a feeling. Before you start, ask yourself this question. Under what circumstances are you willing to quit and by when? With that, I want to thank everybody. Appreciate all of you. That's it for me, everybody. Thanks for joining us this time. If you haven't already, subscribe to our show on your favorite podcasting app and get a new insightful episode from us every week. The Future Podcast is hosted by Chris Doe and produced by me, Greg Gunn. Thank you to Anthony Barrow for editing and mixing this episode. And thank you to Adam Sanborn for our intro music. If you enjoyed this episode, then do us a favor by rating and reviewing our show on Apple Podcasts. It'll help us grow the show and make future episodes that much better. Have a question for Chris or me? Head over to thefuture.com slash heychris and ask away. We read every submission and we just might answer yours in a later episode. If you'd like to support the show and invest in yourself while you're at it, visit thefuture.com. You'll find video courses, digital products, and a bunch of helpful resources about design and creative business. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time.